This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Just when you thought I couldn't get any more unmanageable, I'm trying. One win at a time. Because last time I checked, Vegas, Las Vegas is two wins away from lifting the Stanley Cup. Oh, I am working already on an invite to the parade. Seven to two was the final score last night in a butt whooping of Florida. They take a two nothing lead and I am on one today. They say act like you've been there before. The hell would I know about that? I mean, come on. I haven't seen championships. Let's go. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, I, you know, I like, bringing, I like bringing theme music in to this show. So sometimes when we have certain guests, their name means you got to have a little bit of theme song. I think we got to go to Rascal Flats to bring in our next guest. <sighs> soothing sounds of my wish by one rascal flats <laughs> because my wish is for Greg Wyshynski <laughs> to hang out with us and bask in the glory wish. Have you ever had rascal flats bring you into an interview before? You know, I, I haven't. And it's really clashing with the theme from shaft, which is my personal theme song in my head <laughs> at all times. As I walk the streets of Brooklyn. So, uh, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll work. I mean, if you want to bring it to some of your shows, like I, I, I on behalf of the guys, I'm just going to say that everybody's okay with that. Uh, Vegas is up to nothing. Uh, my level of confidence on a scale of one to 10 is 733. The question is, <laughs> should I book my parade tickets now or do I actually need to wait until this thing plays out? Well, there's a 93% chance you're going to get a parade because that is the percentage of teams that won the first two home games of the Stanley Cup final and then went on to win the Cup. Now, caveat on that is that we have two instances in the salary cap era in the National Hockey League where teams have lost the first two games on the road and then rallied to win the Cup. That would be the Penguins with their first Cup over Detroit, and that would be the Boston Bruins in that uh, series against the Vancouver Canucks where the Bruins lost the first two games to Vancouver, won game seven in Vancouver, and then the people of Vancouver tried to burn their city down. So really what I'm trying to say is that the percentages are in your favor that the Panthers are cooked, but this is a team that has been known to uh, overcome insurmountable odds in these playoffs, and as bad as they've looked in the first two games, you can't count the Panthers out. Yeah, this is also a Florida Panthers team that was down 3-1 in a series versus the Boston Bruins, who was the best team in hockey at the time to win that Game 7 in Boston. Oh, man. But what can you say about the run that Jonathan Marshall was on uh, in the Stanley Cup Final and these playoffs in general, Greg? Yeah, he's awesome. You know, he when, when the final started, Jack Eichel was the favorite for MVP, still might be. I mean, he's had a great uh, series as well. So Marcheseau is the guy that I was looking at, first of all, because he plays on Eichel's line. So a lot of the points that Eichel was going to pick up, Marcheseau would pick them up uh, as well. Right now, he's their leader in goals uh, and trailing Eichel uh, pretty closely to lead them in points. But the reason I like Marcheseau as a potential MVP was the fact he's got this amazing backstory, which is he is one of the you know five or six original Golden Knights that are on this roster, the team that made the Stanley Cup final in their inaugural season as an expansion team. He's still there, 
And all, by the way, the reason he's a Golden Knight is because the Florida Panthers tossed him aside in 2017. So I talked to him about that. He said that, you know, the chip's off his shoulder. It's not a revenge series. But you got to imagine there's a little bit of revenge on his mind when it comes yeah. to playing the Florida Panthers for the Cup. I mean, yes. uh, yeah, just the look on Harry's you threw face. Me, you threw me to the wayside. You threw me in the trash. I you mean, didn't want me. <laughs> and you sent me to the Vegas night. I want you to feel every bit of it. I, I mean, want you to feel every bit of it. He might not say it now, but at some point, it's going to come out. Greg, Greg it's going to come out. As you said that, Greg, I just watched Harry's face melt through that. We're talking to Greg Wyshynski. I'm Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, so I, I'm looking at this series, and I think maybe the thing that has surprised me the most is it felt like last night particularly Florida just had this mindset of we're going to go in and try and knock the snot out of them and create some sort of physical battle out of this. I don't know if that's the right approach. Like, what is the right approach to slowing down Vegas right now? I don't know, because you're right. The the plans in, in not only this round but in previous rounds for the Florida Panthers were we're going to score more than you. We're going to rely on our goalie and we're going to physically assault you and get under your skin. And that's been a formula that's worked for three rounds. Well, their goalie's not stopping anything right now, which is one big problem because Bobrovsky has been arguably their MVP. Uh, they can only score about two goals a game against Vegas so far, even though their coach Paul Maurice said that offense isn't a concern in this series. But the biggest problem for them right now Fitz, is the, is the fact that, you know, literally we watched Matthew Kachuk punch a player in the face in the first game of the series, and that player laughed at him. We watched Matthew Kachuk lay out Jack Eichel with one of the more brilliant, beautiful, clean hits of the playoffs, and it looked like it could be a turning point if Eichel was injured. Jack Eichel comes back and plays the third period and assists on a goal. So all of the moments where the Panthers are trying to either agitate the Golden Knights or break their players, the Golden Knights are just kind of laughing it off and, and, and brushing off their shoulder. And I'm glad you brought up Jack Eichel. You call him Eichel. I call him Jack the Ripper. But he's in his first <laughs> pers- uh, first postseason, and he's making the most of it. His 22 points are third most in a player's first postseason all time. How important has he been for this Vegan Golden Knights team? Oh, insanely important. I mean, so the, 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 the DNA of a championship team in the NHL is you got to have a goalie that can win you a series but not lose you a series. You need two good defensemen, which the Knights have. And then you need two good centers. Now, the Knights have always had one good center, but the trade for Eichel from the Buffalo Sabres gave them a bona fide number one guy. And he's played like it. And like you said, I mean, there was a bit of mystery as to how he would perform in the postseason, having never been there during his time in Buffalo and having missed the playoffs in his first year in Vegas. But you watch that line with him and Marcia so and, and Ivan Barbashev, and you marvel at, A, the chemistry they have, and, B, how they can just take over games offensively. And that very much tracks back to how impressive and, and important Eichel's been, not only offensively, but defensively, too. I, I've talked to so many people around the hockey world that only had one impression of Jack Eichel as a player, and we're like, wait a second, he plays D, too? And, yeah, he does, and that's part of his game, and it's on full display in the Stanley Cup final. We're talking to Greg Wyshynski. It's Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. He's our ESPN NHL senior writer as the Vegas Golden Knights have a 2-0 lead. Uh, I was in the building last year near the end of the regular season when Vegas didn't make the playoffs. And uh, there, there was some reaction from locals even and from fans in general when essentially Vegas' response to that was to fire everybody and go into, we that's unacceptable. I mean, six years in, first time they missed the playoffs and everybody freaks. Bruce Cassidy obviously has them in the Stanley Cup final. What difference has he specifically made to this team? 
Well, he came over from the Boston Bruins. The Bruins uh, fired him um, and then hired Jim Montgomery and had the best regular season of all time until they lost in the first round of Florida. So Cassidy, for me, what he does for the Knights is he gives them structure and, and defensive structure in particular, which I thought they lacked last year under Pete DeBoer. And that structure really came in handy this year because the Golden Knights had problems in goal all season. They played five different goalies this season after their starter, Robin Leonard, had off-season hip surgery. And, and I think the structure that Cassidy gave them enabled them to get through that adversity in goal. And, and now you're seeing the, 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 the formula completed, right? Now you're seeing a team that plays really good D, physical in their own zone, clogging up the, 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 the zone to make sure that there aren't a lot of high-danger chances against their goaltender. And now you're seeing the other part of the equation, which is that their goalie, Aiden Hill, who entered the playoffs midway through the Edmonton series because of an injury to their starter, is playing the best goaltending of his life right now. So it's all come together at the right time, and Cassidy's work in building uh, what he built in the regular season is a big reason why. So the other side of this thing, the Florida Panthers, what do they need to do to get back in this series? We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but the possibility is there. There's a 7% chance they're going to win this series. You guys know this. Come on. Look, yep. I, I think the biggest thing for me is um, what I'm looking for in game three is if the matchups that they're able to get on home ice make a difference. And by that, I mean the, the Matthew Kachuk line scored a goal late in the third period. It was garbage time. It was right before Kachuk got his second misconduct penalty of the game, and we didn't see him for the rest of the night. Um, but in game one, that his line was completely shut out. In game two, most of the time it was held in check. And one of the reasons why is that the Vegas Golden Knights' fourth line, uh, featuring William Carrier, Keegan Colasar, and, uh, and Nick, Nick uh, Wah has been playing outstanding hockey now for at least the last two and a half weeks. They play physical, they forecheck. They're the classic fourth line that comes to prominence in the playoffs for a team on a championship run. And they got to get that, like, that, that, that uh, Kachuk line away from those guys. And I think being that they had the last line change in Florida, I'm intrigued to see if that matchup that Paul, Paul Maurice, their coach, can get makes some kind of difference in generating a little bit more offense for them. See, Greg, I thought you was going to say not give up 12 goals in two games. No, that no, would, that's, that's that would make a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you're right, Greg, and, and a lot of people don't realize this. If you're new to watching hockey, I don't think there's any sport that has a bigger home, uh, home ice advantage in this situation, but a home advantage than the NHL because of last line change. It is a huge, huge advantage, and it changes strategy so much. It's part of why this is going to yeah. be wild to watch. Think of it like this. Think of if you're watching an NFL game and you have a shutdown corner and then you have the ability to, like, get away from that guy no matter what happens in the game because you're allowed to because you're the home team. It's basically what it is in hockey. It's like you can, you can choose who you want to defend your top offensive players by being able to put your players out last before the faceoff. Well, check out Greg working with Arda Ocal on the drop. By the way, great show. I was a uh... Honored to get to spend some time with Arda <laughs> previewing the series. Uh, most importantly, I got a slick starter Vegas Golden Knights jacket out of it. Oh, like, my God. I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm wearing it. Like, it was like 80, 85 degrees outside. I was sweating like a pig through that whole thing. And then Arda just looks at me. He's like, man, it fits. You can keep that. Like, I don't need it if you want it. Yep, that I, I kept that uh, that jacket. You better Greg, believe it. It wasn't just a jacket. It was the alcohol intake as well. Well, that, it, that's, that's usually part <laughs> of it. But, but uh, I'm just letting you know, Greg, you know, when, when, when the uh, Vegas Golden Knights win it, 
if you want to like help me get on a, one of the parade floats, I, I, I'm in on this. Like, I, I feel like I'm the national representative of the Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, the team needs to put me up on a parade. I, I'm just, just on a float somewhere. We're drinking out of the cup, Greg. Let's make it happen. It's, 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 it's one of the things I anticipate the most if the Knights do win the cup. Can you imagine how many Vegas performers, your Wayne Newtons, your ventriloquists, your magicians, that will all have their own floats in a parade down the strip? Dude, it would be absolutely epic. Yeah, I, I can't Amazing. wait for every second of it. Greg, appreciate the insight. Uh, when Vegas wins this thing, we'll have you back on so that you can help me gloat. <laughs> I'm, I'm just on cloud nine right now. Thanks for hanging out with us, brother. Anytime. Thanks for having me. That's Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL senior writer. Again, like everybody's like, oh, don't, don't, pr-. no, man, I'm, I'm up to nothing. I'm going to talk my talk. All right, coming up, NFL mandatory mini camps are underway. Harry's going to fill you in on burning questions, his hottest questions leading into the 2023 NFL season. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Music can mean only one thing. NFL Talk is here. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And as the studio I'm sitting in shows me highlights of everybody of voluntary practices and OTAs all over the place. Harry figured it's a good time to get into five burning questions for the upcoming NFL season from one Harry Douglas. It's Harry Douglas's burning questions. All right, HD, what do you got for us first on your burning questions? Number one. <laughs> Number one, heading into the football season, I think a lot of people are wondering the same thing. Can Tua Tungavaloa stay healthy for the Miami Dolphins? Because if he is able to do that, Fitz, this is a Super Bowl caliber team, a team that can make a run and potentially go on and win everything uh, and win a Super Bowl as well. You look at what they have on their team, they have the defense. They have the defensive coordinator. They brought over Vic Vangio. They also have the offense. They have the running backs. They have the O-line. They have the receivers. They have the tight end. They have the quarterback. Now, I think offensively, they're going to fine-tune things, and I'm glad Lewis Riddick touched on it yesterday. He said that, you know, Mike McDaniel needs to call the run game more because it's efficient when it does work. Now you have that run game taking a lot of pressure off Tua, and if he can stay healthy, great things will happen for Miami. Not only does this impact the Dolphins, I would argue that Tua's health – will impact finances around the league from betting, particularly. Nobody knows what to do with the over-under and not knowing what his health is. And more importantly, the entire structure of organizations. Because I agree with you. I think if the Dolphins have a, a healthy Tua, they're at the very least a playoff team. Maybe they're a division champion. If that's the case, that means other teams that are trying to find their way into the playoffs, somebody's going to miss the playoffs because Tua was healthy. And if that's the case, you're going to see coaches fired, GMs fired, Players moved on from because they didn't make the playoffs all because Tua over here is healthy and the Dolphins are that good. Like the, the the spider web of this, the butterfly effect of Tua being healthy impacts the Dolphins, but it impacts about half a dozen teams in the AFC. They're going to be battling for one open playoff spot. It is wild what that will mean. All right, what do you got for us? Uh, let's play the voice of God for the next number. Number two. Ooh, look at that fancy. Number two on my list as biggest questions for the 2023-2024 NFL season. Which team will be the biggest disappointment? And for this team, I actually chose the New York football Giants. Sorry, Dev, I still love you. Sorry, uh, sorry, Molly, I still love you as well. But sometimes the truth shall set y'all free. Not just me, but both of you two as well. 
I look at the schedule of the New York Giants, and then within their first 11 games, they could easily be 3-8 and eight or 4-7. and seven. I just think that's a steep hole for them to climb out of. And in a year last year where they surprised a lot of people, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people in a different manner in 2023. So I would usually agree with you, in part because I like to make Devin mad and in part because I think you're right, one-score games don't go your way two years in a row. So I can see the Giants just flailing off the hill. Like, I can see that happening. But I want to, I want to mix it up. So I'm going to give you another team, I think, that is going to be a wild disappointment this year. The Minnesota Vikings. Oh, I had to mess my second team. The Minnesota team. Vikings. I had to mess my second team. The Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> like, uh, at some point, it's just the captain. Captain mediocrity at Kirk Cousins is going to catch up with you. Uh, the, the offense is not going to be as good this year as it has been, and they also last year had one of those kissed by a rose sort of years. I, I think the Vikings fall off a cliff, especially in a year where the Lions are going to be much better. I, Harry, I'm looking across the board thinking, you know, and you tell me what you think, because I think the Vikings are also on this list, and it's harder. In the AFC, it's hard for me to label anybody that isn't very good a disappointment because there's so many good teams, so it's hard for me to find that. In the NFC, where the path is pretty easy, if you can't take advantage of that path, that makes you an even bigger disappointment in my mind. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I also think, you know, the Lions, is, uh, they're going to take over that division. And the Minnesota Vikings, all the one-score games that they won a year ago, um, but you have the Dalvin Cook, you know, situation looming around, and a lot of people talking about that. Is Brian Flores going to be able to get this defense back right? You know, they lost some people on that side of the ball. Uh, Zadarius Smith, Patrick Peterson, two guys that played well for them a season ago. So there's still some question marks on the Minnesota Vikings, but I actually like that pick. Let me give you one other real quick possible disappointment, and you tell me what you think. I know it's hard to say because a year ago right now, nobody thought Seattle would be anything. But I don't know. Like, can Geno replicate what we saw last year? Does it matter? Like, as talented as the Seahawks are, uh, we, we just sort of sit here and presume that they're always going to be in the conversation. They were 9-8 and eight last year, and that was very good. I just don't know that I trust Geno to replicate that. And if they suddenly turn around and have a six-win season, that's going to feel like a pretty big disappointment based on what happened last year. See, I don't, I wouldn't put Seattle in that cat category because they went to the uh, playoffs a season ago, and I, th- I thought free agency-wise and draft-wise, they got better. They yeah, got better. True. Plus, they they're going to yeah. ride the momentum of Geno Smith. But Kenneth Walker III, you're banking on him being healthier. You added – you know, a phenomenal receiver to the two that you already had that were really, really good. And then you had the Legion of Boom 2.0 in your back end and your secondary. So I think the Seattle Seahawks will be a lot better than a lot of people give them credit for in 2023. Yeah, you've talked me into it. Another team I'm sure we'll get into at some point is Jacksonville. Heavy expectations on the Jags. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to be a disappointment, but certainly let's see how they look with expectations. That's only two of the five biggest questions that Harry has. We're going to get into more of them in just a little bit. In the meantime, NFL mandatory mini camps are underway. Our next guest is going to tell us what he has his eyes on. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas are Fitz and Harry. Man, they, they ticked you off, huh? I mean, they ticked you off, my man. I, that, that, I'm just saying, like, let, we make these things so complicated. Like, uh, but I, I love the fact you said it with your chest, too. Like, you, you said it with your chest. You know what? I'm out here. I'm just out. I'm, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm out in these streets now. That's what's happening. I'm out, <laughs> these, I'm out here. He said, I'm out here. Oh, I'm, my God. I'm I out in these streets. Please clip that off. Evan and Devin, please clip that off. Please. What can I say? If you ever wondered what 
beaker in the street would look like from the Muppets. It's basically me. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, I'm on one right now because Vegas is up 2-0. What do I know about championships? The Aces won one last year. Now, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe halfway there to a Stanley Cup for the Golden Knights. Maybe that means that suddenly Sin City is kissed by the gods of championships. And that means my beloved Raiders will somehow get, okay, just let me dream, Harry. Uh, let's get some NFL expertise from somebody, not me, which means they're actually smart at this. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano joining us now. Dan, uh, we've got mini camps all over the place, but just a, a general philosophical question. Like right now, Dan Graziano, you wake up in the morning, you cover the NFL every day. What's something that you are looking at right now in the storylines? You're like, man, I'm really interested to see what happens with blank. Well, well, today it was the gambling thing again, right? Like that, there's somebody else in trouble for betting on sports or, and, and violating the league's gambling policy. And I'm kind of starting to wonder, like, what the next step in, in this story is, as opposed to just continuing to suspend guys. I wonder if the league kind of ramps up its efforts to educate these guys about this stuff and so that they don't run afoul of the policy. But that, that's today. I mean, you know, mini camps in general, like, I, I don't know. I mean, we... You know, most of what I do on TV is get up, and we talk about, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks. I'm, I'm interested in the rookies. Um, I mean, I was just, you know, I'm, I'm checking in with various teams. Like, I, I was, I'm trying to reach out to the Bears to get somebody on the phone to talk to me about Justin Fields and, and how he's progressing heading into this year. So, you know, it's just a uh, little of this, a little of that. I think at this point it's just a matter of checking in with teams before everybody goes on vacation and seeing uh, – you know, what they still need, what they feel good about, et cetera, et cetera. I wish it was more exciting, but, but Jason, it's just not that exciting a time of year in the NFL. It's, uh, you know, it's just kind of uh, maintenance. So, guys, I got to ask you about uh, one of those teams that started their minicamp, and it's the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. If, if you, you know, from a broader uh, spectrum of things, what are you actually looking for at this moment around this time when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and their team? So I talked to some people there yesterday, and it's just kind of going through the roster. How do you feel about this position? What do you feel like you still need? But I think the big thing with them is, like, the, I think the big story there is, the, you know, the move from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy as the primary play caller and, and how Dak Prescott responds to that and how the offense looks different. And there, you know, it's June 6th. Like, all anybody's saying is positive, positive, everything's going great. But we'll find out once the games start whether there's a – you know, there's a, an acclimation period there and whether it's a downgrade, as I suspect it might be. So, um, yeah, I think there's that. And, and I think, um, you know, what they're doing with their contracts. Right? Are they going to extend Trevon Diggs and C.D. Lamb? They want to extend the right tackle, Terrence Steele. And would they do something with Dak Prescott? Is there a deal to be done with Tony Pollard? Or is he going to play on the franchise tag? So um, a few questions swirling around there. They feel pretty good about their roster. Um, and I think they should, by and large. I, th I think they, they look like they have a very good one. But uh, I am curious to see how the, the play calling works. And I find it interesting. They're just not doing a lot of, you know, team stuff this off this off season. And the reason is that McCarthy is kind of, you know, kind of scared. He's been fined the last couple of years. Uh, and the team's lost some OTA practices because they violated the rules about contact in the offseason. So they're backing it off and being real careful. And I wonder if that's costing them time that he could be spending in Dak's ear, you know, running what, what is something 
resembling live action uh, in the meantime. We're talking to Dan Graziano and Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. I just mentioned I was out in Vegas for game one of the Stanley Cup final. I talked yeah, to you I know, follow you on Twitter. You know, oh, yeah. I, got it. I was derunk. All right, Dan, I was derunk. But in the process of being <laughs> derunk, had some conversations with some putties, and uh, it feels like everybody I, I've talked to with the Raiders don't seem concerned at all about Jimmy G's foot. Uh, uh, should they be? I mean, at this point, shouldn't they be? Look, I think anybody who has Jimmy Garoppolo playing quarterback for them at this point has to have in the back of their mind the possibility of injury. That's just the way his career has gone. And that's the, one of the main reasons he's not in San Francisco anymore in spite of the success they had with him. So I think you have to have it in the back of your mind. But the thing with the contract and the injury waiver and – you know, what I keep saying is it's not nothing, right? Like, you don't, you don't go in and, and, and redo a contract, you know, that was agreed to and put an injury waiver in there if there's no concern at all. So they've protected themselves in case something else happens with the foot or in case he doesn't get all the way back from that surgery. But I don't get the sense that they're very worried about it. I think they have a plan for bringing it back. It seems like that plan is on track. They don't really have a great fallback option, which I think is also a strong sign that they feel good about Garoppolo because they didn't feel the need to go out and get some, I mean, you know, Brian Hoyer is not the guy you want starting, you know, eight or 10 games for you. If, if, and again, I'm making up a number, right? Like if hypothetically Garoppolo had to miss that many. So I, I think they feel like he's going to be okay. And if, and if he's not, then they're going to have to pivot later in the off season. But I, I, the sense I get is they're a long way from that. So Dan, the Tennessee Titans are trying to recover from not making the playoffs in 2022, what do you think the timeline is for Will Levis in Tennessee? I think that's one of the fascinating questions of the offseason, Harry, because Ryan Tannehill, the Titans did a lot of shedding this offseason, right? They cut a lot. They cut some contracts. They, you would have pegged them as a rebuilding team if you step back and look at everything they did. But they kept – Tannehill, who, and, but now he's not, for quarterback, he's not making a ton of money. You're talking about, what, $27 million, which isn't bad for a starting quarterback these days. But it's not guaranteed, and they have flexibility. And if Levis were to come quickly, then, you know, you could be, let's say, let, let's say a team has an injury problem later in the offseason. Let's say, you know, like, let's, like, we're just talking about the Raiders. Let's say something does happen with Garoppolo. You know, you could have a team that, that is willing to trade you something for Ryan Tannehill, and if you feel good about you know, uh, Will Levis, um, that may make sense. But the way the Eagles did years ago when they traded Sam Bradford to Minnesota after Teddy Bridgewater got hurt and they made Carson Wentz a starter as a rookie. So that's the kind of thing that I think the Titans are looking at. It'll depend on – they're fine going with Tannehill. They they like Tannehill. But if Levis is ready to go, then I think Tannehill becomes uh, an interesting piece for them that they might be able to do something with that that benefits the rest of the team. But I think they held on to him because quarterback is valuable – they feel like he can play uh, while it takes while the rookie takes whatever time he needs to get up to speed, and, and it gives them flexibility. We're talking to Dan Graziano. Dan, before we get you out of here, I want to end where we started because you said one of the things you're most interested in today is gambling and the education yeah. the league's going to give players. I've reached out to everybody I can on our gambling pro- platform, and I can't get an answer to this. Why does the NFL care if a player bets on a non-NFL sport from a team facility? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's a holdover, right, from a time when gambling, legal sports gambling wasn't as prevalent as it is now. So you do wonder if they have to go back in uh, and look at that. But I do think fundamentally, right, like, and this is just me sort of talking based on what I know, not like giving you like inside information. I, I think fundamentally, like, 
players on in the NFL uh, probably have a level of access to players and coaches on, on other in other sports that maybe the, the regular person doesn't have. And I think you're trying to be extra careful, right, of like inside information. So, you know, you're you, you basically players can bet on other sports, but they just can't do it from the team facility. So I think it's basically like they don't want that happening at the team facility. Maybe it'll get other people in trouble who aren't allowed to bet on on the sports, I, I just feel like it's 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 a league being extra careful about avoiding sort of corruptive elements. But I do think it's a holdover from a time when it wasn't legal to bet on sports as many places as it is now. And I do think it's probably something that needs another look. Dan, always appreciate your time. If you want to come hang with me in Vegas when the when the Golden Knights have their parade, I buddy. Do. Come, come on out. I let's, do let's... want to come hang with you in Vegas. Let's make that happen. I, I'm, the I'm... offseason. I got time. Oh, Dan we... has no idea what he's in for I, now. I, look, we're going to make a whole ESPN <laughs> float going down the strip uh, during the uh, during the parade, Dan. Mistakes will be made, my <laughs> friend. Appreciate you. Next thing you know, Dan <laughs> is getting his entire <laughs> body waxed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dan. We'll have, to, we'll have to work something out. Uh, well, I promise. No, I don't promise we won't get your whole body waxed. We'll just see where things go. Dan, always appreciate your time, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, I got no official comment on that, but I appreciate having <laughs> you guys. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Graziano, ESPN. Always doing great work. Appreciate Dan coming on with us. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. We're going to make more of Harry's burning questions. We've already got, got a couple of them. The best are yet to come. You'll hear them next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Together, like Voltron, we create one robot of unity. It's a cartoon reference from the 80s, Harry. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We've asked Harry Douglas for his five biggest questions of the 2023-2024 NFL season. We already got question number one, can Tua stay healthy? We got question number two, which team will be the biggest disappointment? Had some good spirited debate there. And that brings us to the next deep number. Number three. All right, Harry, what's your next question? Number three, who will be the surprise team to make the playoffs? Now, we can take this two ways, Fitz. We can go the surprise team from the AFC and the surprise team for the NFC, or do you just want to go with one surprise team, period? You give me your surprise, and I'll give you – like, you give All me right. your surprise, I'll give you mine. Here, go, here goes my surprise. And I've said this on numerous of occasions. If this quarterback can play like he once did, this team has an opportunity to shake some things up in the AFC. And that's the Cleveland Browns. And that's Deshaun Watson that I'm talking about. They just added another player defensively to go along with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith, who three of the last four years has had 10 sacks or more. The one year that he didn't, it's because he missed 16 games. But now you add another piece to the puzzle defensively that you can pair up with Miles Garrett to make offensive linemen and offensive coordinators' job that much more harder. On top of the secondary, I really love Denzel Ward at the corner position. Greg Newsom, Grant Dale Pitt, Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill played some phenomenal football when he was in Kansas City all those years. So I really like the Cleveland Browns. If they can get solid play from the quarterback position, they have the offensive line, they have the running backs, they have Amari Cooper, they traded for Elijah Moore, Donovan People-Jones showed that he can do some things, 
They have two solid tight ends in Njoku and Harrison Bryant. So I really like where the Cleveland Browns are. Plus, I think this is desperation for their head coach, Kevin Stefanski. So I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. I, I like this call a lot, by the way, by you. If if it doesn't work in Cleveland, everybody's getting fired. Like, all yep. of them are getting fired. So I agree with that. The only thing that I would push back, because the Browns would be my my one, but I think 1A for a surprise team could be the Commanders, who finished 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year. And this year, come into it with Sam Howell as their quarterback. You know I'm not a big believer in unproven entities at quarterback. Sam Howell, definitely unproven. The rest of this roster is playoff worthy. If they just get mediocre play from Sam Howell in that NFC, I could see the commanders being a team that sneaks into the playoffs. So that might be... Look, that's a good pick because they didn't pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option. So you know he's going to be playing with his hair on fire because he wants to deal that he feel like feels like he's worthy of getting. And they're all going to be proving it to the new ownership group. What do you got for your next question? The big, the voice of God giving us number four. Number four. Here we go, baby. Who will win the NFL MVP in 2023? Like how that rhymed, ladies and gentlemen. Me, 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 me in particular. This guy had an opportunity last year to make some noise late. But because of the a game being, you know, dismissed because of what happened to a player on the Buffalo Bills and DeMar Hamlin, it got stopped a little short. I'm going with Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is a guy that can win MVP of the NFL this season. You look at this last two years, 2022, a year ago, he was fifth in passing yards. Phenomenal. 2021, he was sixth. Phenomenal. Led the team to uh, Super Bowl appearance, AFC Championship game a year ago. I just think Joe Burrow in his in his in his third year been a full time starter. I think big things are going to happen for him in Cincinnati. Able to keep that core group together, and he's going to have a hell of a showing in 2023. Yeah, every single thing that you said, I agree with, and in fact, I put a little money on that at plus 750 not too long ago. Uh, that, look, Joe Burrow makes a lot of sense with all the weapons they have there. I don't disagree with any of that. I think Cincinnati's primed to have another great year. Let's get the last question in. Number five. Number five, and this is the big question because there are three phenomenal teams in this division. Can the AFC East have three teams make the playoffs? And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, potentially it could happen. The only thing that worries me about that is that all three of those teams that I'm talking about, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, it's not like they have favorable schedules. And then when you look out west and you see a team like the Los Angeles Chargers, because we all, I think, can agree that the Kansas City Chiefs is going to win that division, their schedule isn't as tough. But it is a possibility that three teams from the AFC East could make the playoffs. It's a possibility. There is a possibility. I think, though, you're right. It's hard for me to bet against the Chargers uh, as a playoff team, a wild card team. And I'm not going to bet against the Ravens or the the Bengals. One of the two of them are going to be a wild card team. So that only leaves me... Two wild card teams. By the way, that jackhammer, that uh, that is outside the studio for Harry Douglas, or Harry's a little gassy with the microphone. I don't well, know which it is, I, but I felt the vibration on my feet. It's such a good vibration. Okay, <laughs> uh, I hear you that there's a chance. I genuinely think by the time it's all said and done, more likely one of those AFC East teams is left out to dry, which is why I think the AFC East is going to be wild this year. Think about it. I am a believer of two is healthy that the Dolphins. Book it, boop, headed to the playoffs. I'm a believer that the Buffalo Bills book it, boop, headed <gasps> to the playoffs. That means I think there's a, what, a 50-50 chance? I'll give it that 50-50 chance 
that Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are sitting on the outside looking in. Now, here's another thing that plays a factor into that because the AFC North, if Deshaun Watson and the, and, and the Browns can, you know, play some great football, you could potentially have three teams in the AFC North go to the playoffs. Oh, this is why it's going to be wild. A great. Don't ask yourself if your favorite team can be a playoff team. Ask yourself if your favorite team can be great. Because if they're not a great team in the AFC this year, they're not going to the playoffs. That is the jackhammer of approval we're getting right there. The PGA Tour and Live Golf have had huge news today. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.